And you're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme on a sunny oh, Saturday morning. Fantastic morning. Good morning. Isn't it absolutely beautiful out there? Temperatures 14, 15 degrees, warmer yeah. tomorrow. And right into next week, I think we're promised beautiful weather right up till Wednesday or Thursday, that high pressure dominating. Of course, it gives a chilly night. It does. And the we, they did say uh, one or two degrees, not not quite frost, but a, a yeah. touch possibly in spots. And we'll get that right right till the end of April. People should watch out for that little bit of frost. And I noticed a question in this morning. Somebody was asking about their potatoes and, of course, the early potatoes. Those were that planted their potatoes back in mm. March. Mm. They've broken the soil. The uh, they've just come above the soil and you know plants like that are frost tender so it's a good idea to mould them up or mould them up as people say yeah. uh, and cover them with soil cover the foliage and all and the potato will that'll help to protect the foliage against any frost and people putting out you know thinking about putting out uh, early bedding plants to just maybe hold off a tad hardy plants like pansies and violas and nemesia and anthriniums are fine they're perfectly hardy sweet pea for example planted outside outside is perfectly hardy even if we do get a night of frost but softer plants like french marigolds begonias, busy lizzies. They're in garden centre at the moment and they can be tempting to take yeah. a few and plant them. So and, and be careful. When you have nice fine weather like we have at the moment, um, one wants the place to look and as good as they can and you know that, that gives an immediate bit of colour but yeah. you know, just to be mindful of what you're putting well, in. Well just to be careful on the tender bedding yeah. plant but in terms of planting, I mean the weather conditions, I, I'm actually amazed how, how quickly the soil has dried over the last six or seven days. You know very damp soil, has be- it's beginning to dry. I mean there's mm. still quite a bit of moisture there but we're having it's the wind effect of course and it's the sunshine that's giving and the long uh, period of sunshine during the day that's giving fantastic drying weather and we haven't had substantial rain in quite a while so it, the soil conditions are actually super for planting uh, for putting in plants and plants like perennials plants and vegetable plants and all of those can be planted now it's only just keeping an eye on, on, on I suppose those little tender plants I got an interesting phone call yeah. yesterday. Um, you know, it was one of those days. This week is kind of a week where, certainly in my business, you're getting uh, very, very busy, lots of calls, lots of long days. And I got an interesting call from a man called John McNamara in Ackle. And John rang me in, in conjunction with Mayo Day, which is coming up on May 2nd, I think. We're, we're celebrating Mayo. And, okay. and it's a national celebration of Mayo. Don't be looking at me with that blank face. <laughs> but uh, John rang me, and, and um, interesting what he was talking about was uh, the, the word Mayo, the Irish word for Mayo, means Mayo. what? Mayo. I don't, I, I, I'm holding my hands up already. It, it means the plain of yews, and it relates to the yew tree. Ah. And, and the fact that Mayo was, was heavily planted with yew trees many, many years ago. And of course, the yew tree goes back to uh, medieval times it was used as John reminded me to make bows and arrows back in, in medieval time it was um, but it was also associated with cemeteries yeah. and graves and the planting in cemeteries and there's lots of reasons why people think that the yew is, is planted John thought it was planted in, in the graveyards to protect the yew tree because it's such a valuable wood uh, particularly in medieval right. days. Other people think it's because it's an unusual conifer, the yew, in that many conifers you cannot prune them severely back. But yew trees have this great ability to rejuvenate. They actually shoot from severe pruning. They're one of the very, very few conifers that can do that. And that is one of the reasons it was used in graveyards. Okay, so it's, to, it's quite symbolic then. Re, to resemble yeah. rebirth and yeah. regrowth and, and the afterlife and all of that. But I, th- I suppose what struck a chord with me was that John is in his 80s. 
and I thought, you know, it was a day where, where I needed probably a bit of a pep up. Right. And, and I thought an eight-year-old, you know, this sort of uh, love for Mayo and wanting to kind of symbolise the, the Mayo Day and, and was encouraging me to promote the planting of yew trees to get back to the plane right. of the yews and, and what Lovely Mayo idea. is all about. I thought it was yeah. good, but it, it was a nice idea. call and, and it, we chatted for probably half an hour, which I probably couldn't spare, but uh, it was just, it was an interesting moment yesterday. Yeah. So I, I told him to listen in today and wish him well uh, at 80 years of age, good, good still, morning, pro- still promoting Mayo. Um, so anyway, going back to what people should be doing. Yes, what should we be doing? And You've come uh, in with such a, a selection of colours this morning. I did indeed. It's, it's absolutely glorious. And in I suppose this time of year, it really is the time for cottage garden plants. And we're seeing a huge interest going back to, um, I suppose, plants that people might associate with their grandmothers. Certainly I would with, with Sarah Hork and the planting of plants like sweet peas and wallflowers. But there's an interesting plant and I featured it last year. This is the everlasting sweet, sweet pea. pea. It's a variety of sweet pea um, that as the name suggests it's everlasting so once you plant it you've got it year in year out Um, it's herbaceous by nature which means after flowering in October November it dies back to soil level and re-emerges with a great gusto at this time of year I mean you can see already this plant is about two feet high and it's a variety called hot pink it's a lovely pink vivid pink variety of sweet pea the beauty about it is that once you plant it you'll have it it's everlasting. Yes. It'll be there forever and tends to grow very vigorously in its first year. Are you, yes, I was just going to say, well, I can testify to all of this already because uh, last year um, we, we passed one on to my very green-fingered mum <laughs> um, who absolutely adored it. It was planted kind of along beside an archway which once housed or which once was home to um, a lovely <coughs> wisteria but it lovely, became yeah. a cropper as a result of that weather a number of years back. So we, I but she's probably been trying to find something to replace it. And um, there's a couple of wild roses as well along Lovely. it. And this really just took off like <laughs> wildfire. As it does, and, yeah. Yeah, and it, it really filled a big gap very, very quickly last year. So she's, uh, has, well, she's minded it well, but I don't think it needed that much minding. And mm. it's ready for off again now. Yeah, and that's the beauty of, mm. of Everla- everlasting sweet peas in, in that it's so vigorous, so easy to grow. And if you plant it this time of year, particularly when the soil temperatures are warming up, the growth will be very significant. I mean, you'll nearly see this thing growing. As you know, it'll grow six, seven feet in height. It'll grow similar in diameter. It's lovely to mix through other climbing Mm. plants like um, roses or honeysuckle. And it gives that old cottage garden feel. And because it's everlasting, you you plant it once. So it's not like the traditional sweet peas where you have to plant them every year. So it's a particularly good variety. It is frost hardy. You can plant it out into the garden now. Um, But a lovely plant. If you are planting it and you're one at home, you should just advise your mom to pinch out some of the leading shoots to get it to fill out and, and, bush, and bush out, out. a little bit. Okay. And the other nice thing is that it's got the little tendrils so it'll wrap itself onto trellis work or wire or other plants. Even if you had an old conifer in the garden and you wanted to kind of put some, a bit of colour through it right. or a hedge in the garden, yeah. you want to put a bit, bit of colour through it. The Everlasting Sweep is, pea is super for that because it'll just clasp on to other yeah. plants. Okay, because I, I know I've seen a situation now where the nasturtiums would have grown through laurels in okay. my own garden. Yeah. Would it work on a similar product? Perfect yeah. for that. It wouldn't It wouldn't have the same density of yeah. foliage yeah. of the nasturtium and wouldn't be as choking as the nasturtium. And you get the lovely dainty pink flowers from Everlasting Sweet Pea. That variety, hot pink, is a particularly nice pink variety, a vivid pink, like the colour of the pot really. Yeah. It's oh, that wow. lovely okay. uh, deep pink colour. So a good time to plant them. You don't see them available that often. They're available at the moment and it's a good time to get them into the soil. The other plant that I thought was interesting and again from memory if I, if I remember right I think I gave you this plant last year this is Ericinum or perennial wallflower 
Um, oh, yes. It comes in many different co- colours. Yeah. I think it was more the other colour. The red. But yes, yeah. But the nice thing about them is that, again, these are perennial. They come every year. They're flowering at this time of year, mm. but they actually nearly flower 12 months of they the do, year. They do, and I, that again, uh, it was something I did notice that um, that wallflower that was planted I, around about the Christmas time was probably one of the only things that was still... Flowering. Uh, yeah, there was a at cu- Christmas. No, yeah, there was a couple yeah. of flowers on at Christmas. Like, goodness me, that thing is still going strong. It like, does. Yeah. And that's the yeah. thing about them. Even though they're, they're ten, they tend to be associated with spring, early mm. summer, the perennial wallflowers nearly virtually flower all, all the year time, round. Yeah. Um, and that's the nice thing about them. This is a variegated form and it's a variety called Fragrant Star because the flowers are scented but the foliage is variegated so you get a, a white or a yellow and green leaf but a nice vivid bright yellow flower um, lovely scented plant lovely foliage colour very very easy to grow so if you want to get something that would have for a splash of colour that's going to grow maybe 18 inches to mm. 2 feet in height similar in diameter so it makes it forms it, nearly a, a small a shrub bush, yeah. exactly yeah. A, a bush or that's it in, in a red variety there's lots and lots of different varieties but they all have the same characteristic of being um, long flowering scented easy to grow um, evergreen they retain their foliage in winter in, in winter time this red variety is one called win- winter orchid and again it just it just symbolises the it, the fact that it flowers it nearly 12 months the year it's a really super plant the other nice herbaceous plant and, and particularly the older listeners will know this plant this is phlox Oh. Spelt with a P. P H L O X. Yes, flocks. And there's again many, many different varieties, that, but this is an easy one to remember. It's one called Red Riding Hood. And as the name suggests, it's a vivid red. Uh, flowering flocks in height it'll grow to about 18 inches maybe 2 feet it will flower every year including this year and it's got fantastic show of vivid red flowers plumes of flower really and again it's clump forming so these herbaceous plants are ideal if you've got gaps in borders in between shrubs maybe something has died maybe you have left a gap between two plants and you want to fill them up and you want to get colour this year and every year after that and you want a plant that's actually going to increase in size right. then, then look for plants like the phlox that red riding hood is really good the erycinums are perennial wallflowers think of perennial wallflowers as the name um, another good plant is the agaranthemum which again is just coming into flower. And, and that's again, a very pretty altogether. It's a really nice plant. Yeah. It's uh, in the chrysanthemum family. Um, uh, it's all, They're often called uh, painted daisies as well. But they're, this is a, again a kind of vivid cerise pink, I suppose. Hmm. Deep pink. With lovely yellow faces. Centres, yeah. yeah. And that's a great plant again for pots, containers or to fill a border. And the other plant I brought, which I thought was lovely, I was smelling this last night in the garden centre, it's a dianthus and it smells of cloves. You know the old sweet, the old clove... Uh, um, sweets. The, yes, the, the little clove, round boiled sweets. Yeah, the clove drops. Wasn't that it? Oh, that's exact. It's exactly what it's like. It's it ex- like it reminds me of of primary school where yeah. we used to have a tin of sweets in well, the corner. They, the, that's exactly the plant. That's dianthus. Um, it's a really nice plant. It's again in the carnation family. Very free flowering. If you had a sunny border or a bank, it doesn't grow very big. Lovely silver foliage, just coming into flower now. And there's a whole range of different dianthus. But I thought that was quite nice. The common name for them are scented pinks because they t- typically are pink flowering and they typically are scented and nice silver foliage. And the last plant I brought in is this one called Campanula, which is a ground covering plant. And I, I just brought it in because we had a number of questions in the last number of weeks, people looking for plants for rockery, slopes, borders, something to kind of trail and hang that would flower for the summer. Mm. Again, this is a perennial plant, which means it comes back every year. Um, it's low growing and very, very free flowering. And that will continue to flower well into the 
summer early autumn period and that has a real abundance of, of small it? flowers yeah for people and who are, maybe aren't that familiar with it tons and tons of yeah. buds yet to come it's called the bell flower is the common name for campanula because the flowers I suppose are like little bells, little bells yeah. but they're a vivid blue and it's particularly nice I have it actually grown on a pillar in ah. about two inches of soil so and not, it, not, it doesn't need much then. no it doesn't and it trails down over the pillar and it's oh, particularly nice lovely. and it's perennial it comes back every year so it's, it's suited for rockeries borders pots um, something where you want something trailing or cascading or maybe covering the ground right. to edge a bed or edge a border sure. the companions is quite nice so they're the sort of plants you can be planting now um, in particular the everlasting sweet pea because I suppose You'll get it now, but it, it may not. It runs out very quickly. So yeah. that's one to look out for. But in general, perennial plants are all cottage garden plants. This is the time really to get them into the soil. And most, if not all, will flower this year. Even things like lupins can be put in now, um, delphiniums, aquilegia, granny's bonnet, the old granny's bonnet, um, canuti is another really good plant. There's lots of really good herbaceous plants. And the thing I like about them is that many of them are coming into flower at the moment, but most, if not all, will flower this summer. Within five or six weeks, they'll be in bloom. So you'll see... You'll get instant you'll, colour. Yeah, you'll have an instant response. Colour from mm. them, which is, which is great. Uh, just a reminder for people, we have a special night this Thursday. All right. So I have, a, again, I suppose, with the good weather and lots of questions coming in, we, we've decided to do a garden advice evening this Thursday, the 23rd, at 7pm. So it's a free evening for people to come down to the garden centres. Um, and I'll be giving a talk and Peter will be giving a talk in Turlock and Castlebar. But also if people are close to Sligo and Galway, we'll have the team there giving talks as well. So it's just a free advice night. It's, we generally run it this time of year because people have lots of, uh, they want lots of hints and tips, but they also have lots of questions. So yeah. it's an opportunity to meet us and uh, I'll be doing a presentation on things you can do in the garden um, over the next couple of weeks. But also it's an opportunity if you have any problems in the garden to bring pieces of your plants in or questions in and we'll deal with them on the night. So that's this Thursday, the 23rd at 7pm uh, in Turlough, Sligo and Galway and I'll be in the Turlock Centre so if people want to come along we're going to be covering things like hanging baskets containers how to get colour into the garden what to do in the veg and fruit garden okay. uh, those are kind of general of stuff hints right and tips yeah okay so so we'll take a quick break I think Porik and now people were sending in questions from fairly early this morning so I anticipate uh, quite a busy uh, Q&A section uh, but please feel free to include yours as quickly as possible you can do so by texting us on 087 900 4141 or you can give us a call either Teresa is uh, with us this morning and it's 0818 3055 <laughs> Now you're welcome back. Okay, a huge range of questions pouring in, so uh, let's tackle into them. Go on. A Lalandi I hedge we're going to start off with. Good Planted morning, for Lalandia. about 20 years. Yeah. Part of it went brown where other shrubs had smothered it. Okay. I have the shrubs cut away, but is there anything I can do to help bring the colour back in the Lalandi? Also, what is the best manure for Lalandiais and palm trees, or can I use cow manure? Do you well, want to be feeding well, them? Well, that's it. You don't really <laughs> want to be feeding them. If you want to give them something, give them just a, a small bit of granulated. Mm fertilizer like Pro 6 would be fine and that's good for all shrubs and indeed it's a good time of year for feeding plants in general. In terms of the Lalandiae, that's that will happen if, if there are plants growing up against them, naturally the light is excluded, the plant goes brown, that won't rejuvenate, that's not going to reshoot again. So you, the, the only option really is to plant a young Lelandii at the base of that area. So prune out any of the dead wood that, that has gone brown. Take that away because it's not going to reshoot. And then plant in a, a fresh plant, a young plant right at the base. Prepare the soil well by adding compost. And um, that'll help to fill up the gap. You'll just trim it into the existing hedge and it'll it'll knit in together. So um, 
the listener's done the right thing, getting rid of the shrubs. Look, I just replant a new plant to the base and it'll take from there. And it's a good, a good time of year to tidy up the he- the overall hedge in general. You could give it a, you know, trim the sides, trim the tops and just tidy the, the overall hedge up. Now, rhubarb. My rhubarb is very poor this year. What do you suggest I feed it with? Also, I have an organic compost heap, but it's taking a long time in breaking down. Okay, well, two questions there. So, for rhubarb, this is the time of year to feed rhubarb. We're really seeing the significant growth in rhubarb in the last 10 days. It was struggling up to up to then. Um, so, give it a good feed. Something like um, Sure Grow would be very good. The Osmo Pro 6 would also be excellent. Um, rhubarb does need feeding. Remember, you're eating the stems and you're taking away the foliage so it does need regular feeding um, so put on the um, sure grow now and that would be fine to, to boost it on uh, in terms of the organic compost you could use one of the organic activators so there are really it's to get stimulate the bacteria and get it going the other key thing is if you aerate it if you actually empty the compost heap and put it back again if that makes sense so dig it out onto the pathway and put it back again back into the compost area you're adding air to the different layers of compost and that accelerates the bacteria as well but you can also in your local garden centre get a compost activator and that stimulates the bacteria to break down the compost Okay those questions are from Mary in Portlaoise and she actually has another one in there as well she's wondering is it okay to sow dahlias now? Well, it's certainly, it's, it, you cannot put them out of doors because the frost is going to damage them. But in terms of planting up the tubers, the tubers are, again, you may have them from last year or they're available in garden centres at the moment. Pot them up, stick them on a warm windowsill. They'll continue to grow. When the shoots are about four or five inches high, pinch the tips back to get them to branch. But don't plant dahlias out, certainly until the first week of May because frost will damage them severely. Um, so keep them in bright, warm windowsill. Keep them in your greenhouse or tunnel, conservatories type area. Get them kick-started and then plant them out in May. Lovely. Now, what kind of compost is best for herb seeds? And Helen also asks, can basil be sown outside now? No. I mean, basil is is probably one of the few herbs. Most herbs can be. Most herbs are totally frost-hardy, like oregano, tarragon, fennel, chives and so on, can be planted out of doors this time of year, even with the cooler temperatures at night time. Plants like basil need to be protected indoors. But this is the time of year to sow the seed of basil. And there's lots of different varieties available. So a warm windowsill, get yourself a pot good quality compost so you can use the grow wise compost seed and, and potting compost would be perfect make sure it's nice and moist and mix a little bit of perlite through that it helps to aid drainage fill up your pot sow your basil seed sieve some compost over the top of that and cover with a bit of cling fill-up and within 10 days to two weeks the basil will have germinated particularly with the temperatures we're getting at the moment and continue to grow it indoors it can be grown out of doors in a sheltered spot from about the middle of June onwards or if you had a greenhouse or tunnel or conservatory that's the ideal location for basil but in my experience the best thing is to sow basil on a regular basis so sow the seed about every three to four weeks and you'll have a fresh crop coming on and there's some beautiful varieties um there's a variety called crimson king mm-hmm. which has purple foliage really dark like the color of dillisk oh right it's an unusual variety there's also thai basil which is good for Very, curries yeah, and, and thai dishes and all that, yeah. yeah so there's lots of different varieties in the in the garden centers at the moment plants are available as well if you want some instant basil but a really good time to sow them but all you need is a warm windowsill indoors keep them in a bright warm windowsill they'll germinate and no just like the studio window and there. do they need much moisture that's always something you know <clears> when you like I, I, I have planted it before myself and while the seeds have been successful and yes. they've come on and yeah. it has grown the longevity uh, yes. was an issue and then you know I suppose you question like should I have given it more water should I have given it less water the trick with basil is to allow it to, to dry slightly 
and then rewater. Mm. So don't keep it wet all the time or it'll rot. Right. So let it, you know, let the nearly the, the stems start to flag a little right. and you know it's dry yeah. and it just give it a sup of water and, and it boosts it back, back up, up again. again. But it is an annual and a basil tastes better, the fresh basil tastes better. So hence you should sow it on a regular basis and it grows so fast. You know, you know yourself within yes. a couple of couple weeks, of weeks yeah. it jumps out of the ground out of the pot. So a couple of fresh sowings. So you're dumping the you're dumping the old stuff yeah. every every maybe six weeks, getting rid of the older Ultimate, plants right. and getting fresh plants on. And a packet of seeds, you'll have hundreds of seeds yeah, in one packet for a couple for a of euros. Time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, peas. How is it uh, to put peas in the ground, or when is it? I think how, when is it safe to put peas in the ground after weed killer has been applied? Depends what weed killer has been used. Fair enough. But if it's if it's something like um, Roundup or one of the glyphosate based, they they become neutralised when they contact the soil. So they leave no residue in the soil per se and won't affect the sowing of, of peas. Mm. Um, so if it's if it's a kind of something like Weed Free 360 or Roundup or anything with glyphosate in it, you can sow straight away. Once the weeds have died, you can actually put in the pea plants, which are available for mo- at the moment in garden centres, or pea seed. And my advice really is to plant a little bit of both because you'll have the crop coming on at two different stages. Okay. Now I've grown my own tomatoes from seed. Great. Strong plants now. Can I do anything with my greenhouse to prepare the soil and control pests before I plant my plants. Okay, well there's a couple of ways you can grow tomatoes in a greenhouse. You mm-hmm. can either grow them in the border soil and if that's the case then add in some um, organic compost. You can get um, an excellent compost from again GrowWise. It's a farm manure based compost that you dig into the soil. Um, you could To that you can add a little bit of the SuperGrow fertiliser as well because tomatoes are hungry plants. They grow from literally a couple of inches to six feet. Mm. So you know they need to, plenty of nutrition in the soil. The other way to grow them is in pots and containers and that's a really great way of growing them because it's you can control the, the compost and the soil conditions but you need a pot that's about 18 inches in diameter by something similar in height with good drainage. Into that, I would use um, GrowWise compost again, maybe one with the John Ennis-based compost, and add some slow-release fertiliser to that. And literally put your tomato plants into it, keep them well watered. Before you put the plants into the greenhouse, if you want it, you can use... um, you can use one of the smoke bombs, you know, the, oh, the, the, pea, the, the, the pea plume, pea the fumers. Fumigant, yeah, yeah it's a little smoke bomb. You light the top of it. It excretes a smoke which controls any green fly, white fly that may be in the greenhouse. So you literally just light the little smoke bomb, sit in the middle of the greenhouse, close the door, come back two hours later and everything, any, any of the... Um, harmful pests like white, white fly or green fly will be controlled. Okay. So that can be done as well. So prepare the soil well and before you put the plants in then use the fumer. Uh, it's a little small little smoke bomb and that'll control any pests that and might be there. Does that cover the airborne ones or does that it does. And, and the soil? It, do, it, it covers all. Yeah. I mean literally the, the idea of the smoke is that it gets it into the cracks and crevices right. in the greenhouse so it gets right, right into, into every everything. crevice like smoke does. Yeah. So the smoke is the carrier of the treatment and it brings it into all aspects so of the greenhouse. Exactly, and you just open up the greenhouse, ventilate it, and then you can plant away into it. Lovely. Now, a question regarding setting wildflowers. Um, they set wildflowers last year, and they were class. What did they do with them this year? <laughs> well, that's good. We like to hear about wild them being class. Well, this is the time of year for sowing wildflower seed in general. I mean, you know, even even the plants like the easy flowers, the pack mm. I gave you last year. This is the time that with the sort of temperatures we're getting at the moment. Um, they're ideally get them into the soil now, rake the soil, sow the seed. 
it'll germinate within a couple of weeks and start to flower from June, July onwards. But it's an excellent time if you're interested in putting wildflowers into the garden of sowing the seeds of those. The annual varieties will flower this year and the perennial varieties, those that flower every year, will flower the following summer. So they'll grow this year and on that growth they'll flower oh. then the following year. But it's a certainly in terms of sowing seed, be it vegetable seed, herb seed, uh, flower seed, lawn seed, it's perfect conditions. Soil conditions are, are ideal and the temperatures, when you're up at 12, 14, 15 degrees, it's just it's perfect, perfect conditions. It's the sort of temperatures we were trying to emulate in February in indoors. Right, yes. And so you've got the temperatures outdoors now, so it's really good time. And generally for vegetables, it's a good idea to plant some plants and sow some seed at the same time. So you're back to that kind of succession sowing. Now, there's a weed, says Noreen, that looks like a fern and okay. it's growing on a grave. How would you get rid of it without harming any of the other plants? Okay, well, what, what do you think? It sounds oh. like our old friend, the uh, mare's tail. It does. Yeah, and, and mare's tail, you know, it, you, you'll see a lot of it in graveyards and um, it's a difficult weed to, to control. What you're seeing at the moment are actually the flower spikes of the... Uh, of the uh, mare's tail. The foliage hasn't shown yet. It's actually frost sensitive, believe it or not. So if it comes up too early, the frost knocks oh, it back. Um, so we normally don't see it till about the end of mid-April, late April. So what you're seeing now at the moment are the flower spikes. So that's a sure sign that you've got mare's tail there. When the foliage starts to come up, there's a, a, a control called we, uh, called Neardorf. Neardorf mm-hmm. um, weed killer, tough weed killer. And that's used very effective on mare's tail. You'll actually see the plant, the weed on the packet. So it's on the front of the bottle. It's a green bottle from memory. So that's one called Neerdorf. Um, it's quite effective on, on mare's tail, but I wouldn't use it yet. I'd, I'd apply it possibly in about 10 days or two weeks as the mare's tail is coming right. above the soil and um, that'll help to control it. Okay, very good. Uh, sorry, no, I just lost my place. Potatoes are just starting to grow. Uh, when to earth them and do I cover them completely? That was the question that just reminded me about the frost. I was mm. looking at that this morning and the answer is yes. I mean, obviously that listener was planted the potatoes early this year. They're, they're coming above the soil as they are, particularly the early varieties. So do put extra soil on the top of those. Earth them up today if you can and literally cover the foliage. Don't worry about damaging a little bit of the stem or the leaves. The potato has enough strength to push itself through that canopy of, of soil and it just A, helps to protect the foliage from frost but B, will also help to protect the tubers from getting sunlight. Um, oh, and as yes. you know, when the tubers get sunlight, they, they go yellow or oh. green and, and can be poisonous. poisonous yeah. yeah, so a good idea is to mould them up and uh, just protect them against the frost. Okay, winter wash that was applied on shrubs, it appears to have burnt them, says Tony. Well, the listener may have used them. Tony may have used it. Have, have they handed? Well, no, but I would say maybe that the um, if the leaves were beginning to emerge and you put the tar oil on, it can scorch them. Oh, okay. Now, that's only a temporary, it's only those young leaves that will be damaged. So my advice really here is to give the plants, the trees or the, sh- the shrubs or the um, whatever it is, a, a feed. Give them something like the Pro 6 or a good tree and shrub fertiliser and they'll grow out of it. It's only a little bit of scorching. It's not going to do any, it's not systemic in a way that it goes into the root and damages the plant. It's really just a surface damage. Right. So don't worry about that. He was obviously trying to remove the, and hopefully it did remove the yeah. um, pests and diseases and... and uh, so it's like a bit of sunburn rather than That's all. That's more, all it is. Uh, that all, so a bit of a, a good feed on the plants and particularly with this sort of weather, you're going to see 
um, the plants coming back from that. Right. My 10-year-old forest flame plant has white seed-like shoots on it. All others I see lately have lovely red leaves on them. What's wrong with mine? <laughs> Is there a little bit of jealousy oh, going well, on there? you know, yourself now. <laughs> and I was admiring, actually, the forest flames yeah. are, are lovely so at the moment. all of a sudden, they've just come into the room. Yeah, no, watch them because, because particularly if you have a really nice one, maybe cover it at night time with a little bit of garden fleece because, again, they can the tips of them can get damaged if we get a cold, frosty night. Um, with this listener, what was the listener's name? Uh, we don't have a oh, name. Okay, with, with this <laughs> listener, they've actually uh, they've actually got a plant that what they're describing are the flower buds that are coming on the forest flame. Because it's 10 years old, it's starting to flower and it's going to be spectacular when it comes into bloom. So the jealousy will actually work the other way because right. they've actually got a nicer plant than their neighbours. The neighbours have only got the boring red leaves. This listener has actually got fantastic bell-like flowers that will come on the plant and after and with the flowers their young le- red leaves will come as well. Right. So it's not that as, as if this is uh, something foreign right. that has come right. on the plants. It's actually the plant flowering. And of course, like all plants, it puts flowering right. first before growth. So naturally, you're going to, those flowers are going to open and in the next week or 10 days, the leaves, the young leaves will come beautiful red. So they, they'll have a lovely contrast between the white flowers of the forest flame and the red foliage of the forest flame. So their neighbours so will be, be giving out. spectacular. The neighbours will be wondering, why don't I have, I have the white those. flowers of the... <laughs> we we'll uh, wait yeah. for that question so in two weeks' time. Exactly. But, <laughs> right. but uh, forest flame, they're lovely at the moment. It's a great time to plant them in the garden cent- from garden centres at the moment. And um, there's a lovely red variety that I'm trying to think of. Um, it's got lovely red foliage. Uh, it'll come to me in it's a minute. Come. It's a particularly good variety. Forest flame is the traditional one with the orange leaves, but there's a particularly nice red variety. The name escapes me at the moment, but it'll okay. come to me. And why I like that one is that the foliage tends to last longer. You get the lovely red colour right into June and July. It's okay, particularly nice. so it's got longevity yeah. attached as well. Right, while you're thinking of the name of that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we still have lots more to come, though. You okay, go. you're very welcome back. What a range of questions. Park, this came in earlier in the week on the email um, and uh, a little bit of inspiration, first of all, for somebody who was kind of taking up gardening initially. Uh, the listener says, uh, I listen attentively every Saturday morning to the show. You've got me into gardening and in the process of putting up a tunnel. Well Great, done. well done. Planted well. a laurel hedge two years ago in May with protected fencing up as well as we're in the wild west near the sea. Okay. I put up a second hedge uh, near it last year now both have gone brown uh, the person has attached some pictures which we've had a look at um, and they, they tell us that they pruned back uh, two of the plants uh, from each year to see if they would improve wondering is it is it too early to prune back and they fed it potato fertiliser okay. is that any good? Well first of all the, yeah. in, in a seaside location you got you got to pick a hedge that's going to tolerate the salt first of all and the wind uh. and laurel wouldn't be the best my, my, my first choice in, in doing that now it's not to say that laurel won't grow in coastal areas yeah. it will when there's some shelter or some protection a better a better hedge would be the um, Iliagnus abengii with the silver foliage um, or something like um, you know the Grisolinia but Iliagnus in particular because it's frost hardy it's, it's very good in salt areas um, and as a primary hedge and a prim- primary shelter it's probably one of the best um, so the, the browning of the foliage is down to the wind and even though the listeners put up a uh, shelter netting, mm. it's just not enough. Laurel will, will suffer from high wind damage and particularly salt damage. So I would maybe reconsider the hedge and consider putting in Iliagnus 
as a, an option, as a primary boundary, or even the Formium Tenax, the New Zealand flax, which actually grows in wild in parts of Ackle and Balmullet and Mulrani, that forms a fantastic primary boundary to be planted right out on the very edge of the site to give shelter to something more decorative inside, inside. that. And really in coastal areas, it's about building up focusing on the shelter and building it up in layers. So not just relying on one hedge, putting in maybe two or three layers of plants, starting with plants that typically grow in the area like Formium like uh, Formium tenax, which yeah. is New Zealand flax. It grows nearly wild down there, but forms a fantastic initial barrier, but it's not the prettiest of plants. So inside that, you can plant something like the Eliagnus abengii, and inside that again, can start thinking about laurel in a couple of years time but initially that plant is going to struggle even feeding with the potato fertilizer is fine it'll give it a bit of a boost this year mm. but next winter we're going to be back to square one again and that that hedge that laurel hedge is going to continue to struggle so i would start with selecting the, the a, a plant that's more suited to the area build up it in layers and then once you start providing the shelter you can you you know you you have a huge choice of plants that you can plant after that but the primary shelter in the coastal areas has to be the number one consideration and you need to pick a plant that's going to tolerate it so something su- that's proven and tested and Iliagnus is in fairness okay so it's a bit like I suppose if you're wrapping up yourself it's a bit like having a base layer for something and exactly then you go ag- and that's exactly it when in providing shelter you're better to particularly in coastal areas it's about filtering the wind not stopping the mm. wind if you put up a concrete wall the wind just literally comes over the top it, yeah. of it and comes down and spirals into the garden so it's about filtering the wind slowly through it and starting with plants that will tolerate the initial hit of salt and wind and Formium tenex and Iliagnus are probably two of the best boundary hedges and then something more decorative inside. If I plant lupin plants now will I have flowers this summer? It depends on the size of the plants. The answer is if you get strong plants, plants that are sown from last year, then yes they will and they'll be coming into flower very very soon. The flower buds are forming at the moment on lupin so it's a good time to plant them. If they're young small plants then or you're sowing them from seed, they'll grow this year and flower the following summer. So if you want colour this year from lupins, get yourself some nice strong plants. They should be about six or eight inches in diameter. Really strong plants that are being sown from last summer. Okay, lovely. Uh, and we did remember the name of that forest flame, didn't we? Oh, it is. Sorry, yeah. It's, it's a variety called Katsura. Katsura. It's a Japanese variety. Why I like it is just has the foliage, beautiful blood red leaves and the, the colour stays so long on the plant. It, I mean, literally up to July, June, July, it still has the lovely red colour. So it's a little bit better, I think, than forest flame, but forest flame is a cracking plant as well. Now, I have a tunnel. It's large. Both wireworm and leather jackets are in the soil. Is there anything I can grow or how do I get rid of these guys? Well, the first thing is to get rid of them before you start growing anything because wireworm and leather jackets will attack most plants that you put in there, both seedling and vegetable plants. So so I would use, if in, if you're growing organically, use the, the uh, nemat- nematodes that I mentioned last week. And again, perfect conditions for putting on nematodes. So if you have problems with carriage root fly, wire worm, leather jackets, chafter grubs, any of the soil-borne pests, mm-hmm. the nematodes work extremely well. And particularly in a greenhouse and tunnel area, they're, they're very, very effective. And, and I, I think I mentioned last week, a lot of the growers, the strawberry growers, have, have moved over to them. If you want to use kind of a traditional treatment, you could use something like Trigger, which is an insecticide, but it is a chemical. Um, and, you know, if you're growing vegetables, I would prefer to see using the the, the nematodes, they're going to be very effective. They'll get rid of the leather jackets and wireworm and then you can plant whatever you want. You can even put some new potatoes in there. You can put lettuce crops, whatever you want to put in. Sweet corn maybe at this time of year, strawberries, but do get rid of the pests first of all.
Now, listeners sowed the easy flowers two weeks ago Great. and now they see the lovely young plants beginning to grow. Fantastic. Do they need to feed them now or do anything with them? Yeah, no harm to give them a liquid feed and you could use the liquid one or a tomato fertiliser, that's ideal, and that'll help to boost boost them on. And the only other thing really is to keep an eye that the slugs don't get at them. So at night time with, with the cooler temperatures, the slugs are going to be out. So either use the slug clear liquid which is very good very effective particularly on flower plants um, um, and just that's really it just give them a liquid feed you'd feed them about every two weeks at this time of year the seedlings just to bring them on and those easy flowers should start blooming from the middle of June onwards excellent hello from Ballina okay. as a teacher I'd like to grow some vegetable and herbs with class the, the class age is 8 to 10 year olds okay, what right. can I sow now that will be ready before we break in June in in window boxes is it or in well uh, not uh, specific okay so well go for the fast maturing I mean something simple like why, why not something like spinach spinach plants are available at the moment the kids will get a great kick out of, of uh, growing the spinach and tasting the spinach and uh, you can relate it back to the iron and all that strawberry plants would be good at to plant and if you got the children to plant them up in single pots they could bring them home in uh, June whenever they're breaking as and the fruit will already begin to form so they can bring them back back home but even any of the fast maturing uh, veg so I'd be thinking of all the salad crops lamb's lettuce which is a lovely plant to grow and very very fast growing rocket as the name suggests grows so quickly um, you know any anything that's really quick maturing any of the salad crops uh, beetroot from seed radish from seed they will all begin be to form. They will. The radish in particular would be a great one um, because within six weeks, five, six weeks, they'll be ready to eat. And, veg- and herb plants, herbs, herbs are great because again, you've got the, often many of them have obviously got the scent, but yeah. some of them then have ruffled leaves or just interesting textures as well. Some of them have square stems like mint. Um, so again, it'd be an interesting and again the herbs are so fast to grow so again you could sow from seed or you could plant some plants now in a window box or container yeah. and the children then can use them during the the the, uh, the season the other thing you could try with children which would be great would be some of the bean or the um, seeds the um, energy seeds like broccoli seed like um, some of the beans and you, you actually eat the seedlings so you germinate the seed in tissue paper mm-hmm. And then as they germinate, so within three or four days after sowing, you're actually eating the little seed, the little sprouted the seeds. seeds. Yeah. Sprouted seeds, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. So you can, things like um, broccoli is, is brilliant, uh, but there's lots of them available like at the moment. Like bean sprouts and stuff bean like Bean sprouts, that. all of those. They're, they're perfect for children in particular because they see the whole germination process and they're eating the seedlings Seedings. within a couple of days and they're perfect for growing on a windowsill. So maybe a combination of fruit like the strawberries, some of the quick maturing herbs and vegetables and some of the bean sprouts Yum. they get a really good mix there when do i use the garlic wonder on my roses followed your tip last summer and had brilliant in capital letters roses until okay. the new year does it help any other plants yeah and, and garlic wonder is is it is is uh, i got that tip from one of the growers that one of the best rose growers, growers in ireland and they use it in combination with tomato feed or, or uh, rose fertiliser mm. to feed the plants. And what Garlic Wonder effectively does is protect the plant from pests and diseases. It also gives a fantastic sheen to the foliage of roses. Um, so it's particularly highly advisable to use it. So if you've pruned your roses and they're growing well and you've fed them with r- regular rose feed, now is the time to put on the Garlic Wonder. You simply mix it up in a washing can or sprayer, put it onto the foliage, let it drip around the roots, let the plant absorb it and do that about once a month and you'll have fantastic roses free from pests and diseases. If you use it regularly, you won't have to use the rose clear. Right. 
which is which is quite good. You can use it on other plants as well. So a garlic wonder helps to build strength and vigour into plants, but it also wards off pests and diseases. Diseases. So if you wanted to ward off your car's root fly, hmm. use the garlic wonder. It won't flavour the carlic, carrots, Garlic, garlic yes, yeah, Don't worry about that. <laughs> but it will keep root pests away oh. from them. And you use it as a drench onto the plant. So vegetable, herbs, anything that can be attacked by pests, you'll find the garlic yeah. wonder very, very effective. And it's a great organic treatment for controlling pests in, uh, in most plants. And it also is quite good disease control as well. Okay, we're going to stay with roses for a second. Uh, a listener pruned back their roses and a lot of summer plants like Bodelia and spireas. Okay. Uh, what do they need now in terms of food? Is liquid or pellets better? Well, pellets are better, to be honest. Okay. The, the liquid feed is fine for things like the easy flowers that, that yeah. the listener had or vegetable plants, kind of smaller, tender plants, tomatoes, you know, anything that's kind of a seedling or a young plant, the liquid feed is more effective. Okay. Or it's For stronger plants, trees, shrubs, like is the butterfly bush, which grows from nothing up to five, six feet in the one year. So it needs a good strong fertiliser. So pellet uh, tree and shrub feed or Pro 6 would be perfect to put on it now and repeat it about a month later. Spireas, again, this is the time to prune them back. Some of them, they have come into leaf, um, but particularly gold flame and gold star, any of the kind of golden foliage varieties, if you haven't pruned them back, you can still do that. But as I always say, when you prune, you feed because the, the purpose of pruning is That's to encourage new growth. And of course, the plant needs a bit of a kickstart to get it growing. Same with your roses. Um, again, a good rose fertiliser, granulated form, you'll find more effective than a liquid form. Right. Uh, now, we have somebody who is looking for information on some fast-growing climbers to cover a wall with trellis. Something to climb fast this year and flower this summer. And what should they add to the soil when they're planting? Okay, well, the first plant I would put in is the everlasting sweet pea as a choice because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it ticks all the boxes. It's extremely fast-growing and will we'll bloom this year. Um, Put in also plants like the summer flowering clematis. There's a whole range of different varieties available at the moment and you're buying a plant that's nearly three feet high at the moment. Um, so any of the summer flowering varieties, there's lots of really good varieties like Czech Manii and the President and Nelly Moser, which will flower this year if planted now. Also some of the honeysuckles. Again, they're, uh, they will flower this year, flower better next year, but you will get some colour from them. Um, this summer by by planting them now. So that kind of combination, climbing roses, if you plant them now, will flower this summer as well. And it's a really good time to put them in. In terms of soil preparation, that's critical for climbers. They can only grow as good as the foundation of soil they go into. So add plenty of organic matter and some fertiliser when planting them. And that's really it. Get them into the ground straight away. They'll by mid-June, July, those plants will be in bloom. Excellent. Now, um, we have... Uh, somebody who's looking, has looked everywhere for liquid, liquid one for the geraniums. They can't find uh, what you had recommended. Is there, They're wondering, is there something else or would you know where they can get the liquid one? Well, we have, we have it 50 in... 50 miles from, oh, from, the gar- from, okay. from yourselves, yeah. Right, well, you can buy it online. So if you go to horkins.ie... Uh, the liquid one is available online and we'll post it out to people so that's that's probably the best way to do it um, or you know yeah if they're 50 miles away from the garden centre yeah, we can't expect them to drop down <laughs> but uh, yeah go on to the uh, horkins.ie um, all the products are available there and um, there's actually a lot of information there as well like I've written an article for example on the, the sweet pea plant but there's lots of other interesting hints and tips on the website so that's horkins.ie click on there and you'll find the liquid one have a browse uh, laurel trees one year set leaves going brown and yellow and falling off says Mary well that's a sign that the, the plants are if they're newly planted I would expect a little bit of that a bit of yellowing the foliage because naturally enough plants are going to get a little bit of a shock when you're transplanting them but yellowing in foliage is generally a sign that they're hungry and I would just give them a good 
feed at this time of year and young laurel plants will benefit from two things first of all feeding them a good handful of, of pro six around the base of them but also tip them back take the top of the shoots out um, by just pruning them lightly and that again helps to stimulate new growth make sure there's no grass and weeds around the base of them mm-hmm. and that's really just that's way it. back yeah yeah i mean if you think about it growth has really only started in the last fortnight um you know if you look at the white thorn has just come into it's just breaking bud sycamores are just breaking bud uh, poplars are just breaking bud so willows so we haven't had significant growth and you can maybe sometimes we expect too much on the first fine yes, sunny know, day yeah. so to help plants they do need feeding and of course this sort of weather particularly as it goes into next week you're going to see significant growth on plants but don't expect it just yet on, on, a, yeah, on a lot of plants. Okay, final question for this morning. I want to block the view from my neighbour's garden by planting a broad-leaved tree. Would you have some suggestions, please? We'd like a medium-sized tree and can I get a large instant size? No. <laughs> An instant solution here. So, okay. uh, we won't ask what, what the we issue is. Well, but no, we won't ask The answer like is that. yes, you can. You can you can buy trees that are what we call semi-mature. Right. So, they've been grown in nurseries for maybe six, seven years and they give you that instant effect. So, the tree itself could be anything up to 10 feet when you purchase it. So up to that level. So you can get six, seven, eight foot trees. I would put in, if they're looking for a broadleaf tree, something like liquid amber would be very nice. It's got lovely green foliage in summer, fantastic autumn colour, and makes a good canopy of foliage. So it screens very well. Silver birch, Jacquemontii in particular, Betula Jacquemontii is a beautiful silver-leafed um, uh, birch tree, fantastic colour all year round but uh, it's got a nice canopy of foliage and, and will be quite a nice variety to put in. Um, maybe some of the sorbus varieties as well. Aurelutescens is the white beam. Look, there's lots of them available in garden centres. Pop into your local garden centre. Many of the trees are coming into leaf now and they'll advise you on, on a, a good plant to put in. But it's a great time for planting trees and you can certainly get them quite large. Lovely tree called Cornus cusa, which is the flowering dogwood. Dogwood, the name doesn't do it no, justice. It it's a beautiful yeah. plant, absolutely stunning plant, um, Cornus Cusa, and that'll be coming into flower very shortly and would make a nice small tree as well. Look, at, I'm in the garden centre yep. today in Turlock, so if people want to pop down, if they have any questions or queries, I'll be there from about half 11 on uh, through to this evening. So pop in and see me if you want. And remember the garden advice night next Thank Thursday, you. the 23rd at 7pm in Turlock's Ligo in Galway and I'll be in the Turlock Centre myself and it's a free night so come along bring your problems with you if you want and we'll try and answer <laughs> we'll them we'll try and answer them <laughs> and if we don't uh, get to them on Thursday we'll try them again next Saturday morning Porrick thanks indeed thanks dear not at all uh, thanks indeed for your company as well over the past couple of hours stand by Michael Neary is coming your way he's live at Homeland in Castlebar directly after the news at 10 From the mo- for the moment good morning to you